Ghanan Family Office Services. We protect and preserve the wealth of the world's rich and famous. But having a good lawyer is only part of the solution. My podcast, How to Keep Your Money, draws on my 30 years experience and my extensive network of professional advisors to better inform you. Subscribe to our podcast and learn from the professionals on how to keep your money. This is episode 24 of How to Keep Your Money. I'm Caroline Garnham of Garnham Family Office Services, lawyers who specialise in tax and trusts and in finding family office solutions for our clients. Today I've decided to do my own podcast this week uh, to take this opportunity to share with you what we have been doing, what we have learned and our vision for the future, which I hope you will find as exciting as I do. It has now been six months since I started recording interviews with the private client professionals I have worked with, admire and want to do business with for podcasts on how to keep your money, published on Spotify and Apple iPod podcasts. I have been extremely fortunate in interviewing a wide selection of professionals, from Filippo Neseda, a lawyer with Mishkondorea, Alison Parry of Intertrust, Andrew McKenna, former head of offshore and compliance at HMRC, and Mark Florman of Time Partners Limited, to name but four. My first podcast, however, was with Alex Scott of Sandair. At this time, I had already been writing my blog, A Note from Caroline, for five years, since October 2015 and had a following of just under 8,000 private client professional contacts and clients. My aim at that time was to create the definitive library of information to which I, as a private client professional, could refer my clients when providing what I call family office solutions, looking after the wider interests and concerns of my clients outside and beyond my area of expertise. I call this approach to clients a culture of care. From my research, although many private client professionals have done podcasts, there was no independent library of information from from which we as private client professionals could draw upon to serve the wider interests of our clients. It was clear to me that the one thing that all private client professionals I interviewed had in common was a desire to put their clients at the centre of their business. This appeared to be a growing trend, which meant my podcast library, How to Keep Your Money, would have real value to our clients as well as our colleagues as it grew. I enjoyed interviewing all my guests and have pleased to, in, to have interviewed such a diverse group of professionals. I've also learned a lot, although I confess that preparation for recording and editing of each podcast took much longer and was a greater drain on our limited resources than I had expected. What came as a complete surprise, however, 
was that when I added an independent podcast professional to my blog, the open rate on my note leapt by a staggering just under 20%. Furthermore, there was a marked increase of referral of business across the podcast professional network, as well as from other sources. I had been told that hosting third-party podcasts would increase revenue by tenfold, but I have to confess, I only half believed it. Then we had lockdown. Interviewing my private client professionals in person became impossible. But we found a way to produce the same quality of podcast, but remotely, which was great. We could continue. Lockdown also coincided with Easter and numerous bank holidays. Given that I could not go away and no one outside my immediate family could come and visit, I decided to spend the time to research the business phenomena I had observed and to put my thoughts, research and analysis into writing. This turned into a book, 63,000 words, the average size of a how-to book, which I wrote over the long weekends and over Easter. The book is called Reimagining the Role of the Private Client Professional Post-Lockdown and starts off with five business myths exposed by lockdown, three of which are, is travel really important to the business? Can we thrive without face-to-face meetings? And what is the real benefit of going to conferences? We are so used to doing business the way it has always been done, in an office, travelling to meet each other and face-to-face meetings, that without lockdown we would never have believed that working from home, meeting people virtually and not travelling would not only be possible, but possibly preferable given the time and money saved. The book takes a long, hard look at what many of us do in the office how we deal with the distractions. Do you have a moment meetings or let's talk about this over coffee? And it asks whether a lot of what we do in the office or at work is a waste of time or could be done better with a few practical tips and suggestions. What about those piles of paper in the corner of your desk you intend to read one day? the interruptions from colleagues and contacts at any time, let alone the time spent in travelling to and from our place of work. I then challenge the private client professional as to the real benefit of attending conferences. Education can be gleaned less expensively from webinars and the return on investment at a networking event is of little if any benefit. At a conference, most of us collect about 10 business cards, follow up once or twice, if at all, and then file the business cards in a drawer or something similar back in the office. What do we do with these cards? We promise ourselves that one day we will go through them, but somehow we never get around to it. And I ask you, did you get around to dealing with those podcasts, those business cards post lockdown.
during lockdown. I ask in the book, what, what, it, what is the real reason in attending these events? If it is not education and there is only a limited return on the investment needed to attend the conference, given the amount of business done, maybe the real reason is to enjoy a really good dinner and a chat with colleagues in the bar afterwards with free booze. If this is true, then maybe it could be recategorized as a social event. And if this is the case, maybe HMRC will deny the tax deductible expense of the business and tax it as a benefit in kind. Then I take a closer look at networking. Let's not kid ourselves. Our prospective clients do not want us approaching them direct, especially if they are out having fun, such as at a boat show or polo match. So we have little option but to rely on networking. It is the lifeblood of winning business for any B2B business like the private client industry. But do we really need 1,224 people in our close network? Or would it not be better to make two lists? An A-list of a carefully chosen network of private client professionals across several complementary disciplines which we actively manage and for whom we give special treatment and follow up with regularly and put the rest of our contacts into a B-list to which we can refer and will contact from time to time. From my experience, this has proved to be a business-changing strategy. I explain it in psychological terms and in more detail in my book. In essence, each of us has an innate fear of the influence of strangers. And it takes between 5 to 12 personal touches before this innate fear is broken down. To keep in touch with 1,224 contacts on a one-to-one -one basis is simply not possible. And therefore the returns are only ever going to be poor. All these topics, as well as how to build a trusted relationship with your client using similar psychological tips based on extensive research, are covered in my book, Reimagining the Role of the private client professional post-lockdown. The book, the book will be available in the next few weeks and which I will send free of charge to my podcast professionals, my inner network, my A-list, to say thank you for joining me on how to keep your money. Library of information, as I've said, I have learned a lot and I'm much better informed to be able to serve the wider interests of my clients than I was before. Once my book was finished, I then gave some thought as to what the private client professional would do post-lockdown, if nothing was done, to make it easy to get out of bad habits. My guess was that we would all simply revert to what we did before, which to my mind must not be allowed to happen. Why is that? Post-lockdown, it is our clients who will be under pressure to fill the empty coffers of governments around the globe 
which have overspent to keep their economy afloat and their citizens alive. If you doubt this, please listen to the podcast of Andrew McKenna, former head of compliance and offshore at HMRC. In his words, HMRC will hit the rich hard. It is a vote winner for the politicians. It is also now within easy reach of the revenue, given the information it has at its fingertips. HMRC, for example, has invested over 100 million into Connect, the social media dating mining system, which now holds all details of its taxpayers' offshore and onshore accounts, structures, spending habits, travel schedules, and social media postings. Big Brother may have been sleeping, but post-lockdown, you'll be very much awake and kicking. We are all agreed that cheats and crooks need to be brought to account. But what about those of our clients who simply and honestly believe they are tax compliant, or worse, have structures and entered into transactions which they believed watertight, only to find out after a long and stressful investigation that they are not, and that tax needs to be paid plus penalties. Now is the time for each of us to be vigilant on behalf of our clients. Are they getting the right advice? Should they be getting a second opinion? Why? Because if they do not, and HMRC finds holes in their structure or can re-characterise what has been done and the transactions which they have entered into, which may look good on paper but do not add up in practice, it will charge your client tax and then between 100 and 200% of the tax in penalties, which when added to the costs of fighting the investigation will simply wipe out our clients' wealth and our respective businesses. Each of us needs to adopt a culture of care to support our clients. But how can we do this post-lockdown effectively and efficiently without going back to our bad habits? What we know is that small, tailored, actively managed networks work. So I have made this easy for you. I have created Caroline's Club, small, tailored networks of like-minded but complementary private client professionals are invited to meet each other on a Zoom call with no more than 15 callers at any one time. The Zoom call is designed for you to network. It's not educational, it's not for any other reason, simply for you to network. It is what I call speed networking. You tell the others on your Zoom call who you are and what you do for your clients with some case studies to make what you do come alive. Let me give you an example of how it is designed to work in practice. Anthony is a lawyer in the immigration department of a law, call, a law firm called Move In and Let Live. Anthony is the firm's business ambassador 
and as the face of the firm, does a podcast for how to keep your money. He mentions in that podcast why he likes working in immigration, a little bit about his background, a little bit about the firm, and a few case studies to bring his expertise and practice to life. Anthony has one partner, three senior assistants, and two juniors. Anthony gives each of his four senior colleagues a full profile, which will be featured on the directory of Caroline's Club, but not a podcast. This entitles each of his senior colleagues to five Zoom meetings a year, where they will meet on average between 10 and 15 new private client professionals. During each Zoom meeting, each colleague will be encouraged to say a little bit about themselves and some case studies of what they do for their clients. And they can refer their audience to Anthony's podcast. In total, over the year, Anthony's immigration services will be promoted directly and personally to 200 connections with direct connections from his colleagues and they can follow up offline um, with each of those private client professionals they have met and come and get to know. The junior members can also get involved by having an entry in Caroline's Club directory and to see how it works in practice before getting involved in their own Zoom networking meetings. The platform has been commissioned and is being developed and tested. We hope to be able to launch it over the summer. If you would like to find out more, we have a slide deck we can share with you with more information. Simply register your interest with Deborah on deborah at garnamfos.com. In the meantime, look out for the book, Reimagining the Role of the Private Client Professional Post Lockdown, which should be available to buy in PDF form from the GFOS website in the next week or so. Thank you very much for listening. Keep safe, keep strong, and keep going. Thanks very much indeed.